This time on Geek Pod Blue. I was totally going to start singing, let's talk about Treks, baby. But then I realized no one would think I was talking about Star Trek. They'd be thinking of Treks the Nightclub. And I'm here to talk about Star Trek. I'm not recording Jack's favorite episode. Warning, station is now code blue. Welcome to this week's edition of Geek Pod Blue. I am your host, Hugh, and I have about had it up to here. Now, we're going to talk about something. I, again, change of plans. I keep putting off the story I wanted to do because, uh, you know, something happened over the weekend and something's happened the past few weeks, weeks that I kind of wanted to talk about. Now, it's not the convention. Uh, the Syracuse New York Comic Con went off without, you know, well, mostly without a hitch. There definitely were some hitches there. Uh, but it was a success. There were a lot of great people. We met a lot of great people, uh, especially got to know uh, Tom. Tom, I'm going to butcher your last name. DeSicchio, DeSicchio. It's Tom from the Geek Culture Podcast. He's one of the coolest people I've ever met. And uh, I'm certainly hoping we get to work with him again in the near future. Uh, but also uh, met a ton of great people and had a great time with our existing friends. Uh, it was a blast. But I'm not here to talk about that. Uh, interestingly enough, I did not walk away from that with Concrud, uh, but I, I did walk away noticing something that's got me thinking the past few days. Now, if you've not been paying attention to what's happening in uh, uh, media and television and things like that, uh, for the first time in 12 years, there is actual Star Trek on TV. It happened this past Sunday night uh, as the first premiere episode of Star Trek Discovery aired on CBS at 8.30 p.m. Now, there are a lot of people talking about the distribution model, which moved the second episode that same night to their all-access streaming service and all um, episodes to come are there. And that that's crazy and maybe a boneheaded move, but we'll, we'll get to all of that, okay? Uh, I know this. a lot of people that listen to the show don't like Star ah, don't like Star Trek, aren't really interested in it. Uh, and, and that was kind of brought to the forefront because while we were at the convention this weekend, I realized I never see any Star Trek cosplayers anymore. And, you know, I'm kind of wondering what the hate is for Star Trek. What's with all the hate? Now, let me kind of you know, bring you back to the late 80s, early 90s when, you know, there really wasn't any sci-fi on TV. We had Highlander, which was pretty good. I think there was one called Animal Man. I mean, there was a couple really bad shows. Nightman. I actually liked Nightman a lot, but it was an awful show. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of good stuff. And then, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation came around. Now, for years after that, there was always Star Trek on TV. We had Star Trek conventions right here in Syracuse. In fact, William Shatner himself actually visited Syracuse. I met the man. I shook his hand. He wouldn't visit this, this city now. It would never happen. Uh, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, when did all of the, the geeks start hating on Star Trek? Now, you know, I look back, you know, Star Trek was one of the, the very earlier series, uh, you know, TV-wise. Uh, it, it disappeared for a little in the late 60s, but came back in the 70s, you know, with the movie series. Now, yeah, we had Star Wars come along, and Star Wars was big and bombastic and exciting. Uh, but if you look at pound for pound how much of it there has been out there, there's been a lot more Star Trek out there than Star Wars. Now, I, I don't... I'm not saying that Star Trek fandom should be as big as Star Wars, but I find it odd that something that was a cultural touchstone for so long... 
has almost no representation now in today's modern geek culture. Now, there are a lot of people who say, oh, well, I liked the Star Trek movies. Even people that don't like Star Trek liked the new J.J. Abrams-verse movies. Uh, just because they're fun and they're they're filled with action and bright colors and and pretty actors, uh, they certainly lack the heart that Star Trek has. And I'm going to touch back on that when we start talking about Discovery. Uh, but I'd like people to actually you know write in you know next week. Uh, let me know what's your perception of this and why do you think it's like this. I, I feel like there should at least be some Klingons or some Starfleet officers or something like that. It's something that is such a big deal, so severely underrepresentative in fandom, it just boggles my mind. Now, I don't want this to get into a, a Star Wars is better than Star Trek is better than Doctor Who or anything like that. You know, they're, they're all great and they all deserve to be part of our culture. But you know, I look at, you know, it took Doctor Who coming back in 2005 with a, a revamped and re-energized show to suddenly become cool. And I'll tell you, I never actually thought it would be cool to watch Doctor Who. Uh, it's such a strange time we live in. Uh, but, you know, Star Trek was always kind of there. It was always kind of popular. It was popular enough to be in syndication. It was shown on just about every single TV station you can imagine has had Star Trek on at one point or another. Uh, you have uh, things like, who hasn't said, beam me up, Scotty? Or he's dead, Jim. Well, maybe some people haven't said he's dead, Jim. But I'm willing to bet just about every person out there, even people who are too young to have really watched Star Trek, have said, beam me up, Scotty. You know, it's part of the cultural zeitgeist. And uh, you certainly can't ignore the, the impact that Star Trek has had, not only on um, fandom and culture, but things like science. You know, you know that NASA was very inspired by the original Star Trek. And are you telling me that the guy that created the, uh, the Star Trek phone wasn't saying, I'm making a real-life communicator and just made it flip down instead of up so he didn't get sued. I mean, the reason we probably have cell phones now is because some really smart guy at Motorola, most likely, saw those communicators on the original series and said, that's what I'm going to make when I grow up. So please, if you have some ideas as to why I, th there aren't just more Star Trek fans out there, I, I'd, I'd love to know, because uh, I do find it a little mind-boggling. I'm used to being on the... Uh, the uh, skinnier end of fandom, considering, you know, up until 2005, I was still a hardcore Doctor Who fan. Uh, but I kind of thought Star Trek, especially on the heels of a brand new TV show, uh, would have been out there a little bit more. Now, to d specifically discuss that, let's talk about Discovery and, and how it's different. Now, I have watched the first two episodes. Uh, I'm going to try to stay spoiler-free as much as I can because uh, I know at least our good friend Anthony Iglesias has not watched the second episode yet. Uh, and I certainly want to give him a, a chance if he decides to go forward with it. But um, without giving too much away, this first episode... Uh, I can tell you what it felt like. It felt like Star Trek. It felt like, like the J.J. Abrams slick production values. Everything looked beautiful. Everybody was acting great. But it had that heart that the movies sorely lack. And again, I, I don't mean that as a diss against them. I'm not trying to say that only Shatner can play Kirk. Uh, but those movies definitely are, are lacking that, that seed uh, of what made Star Trek uh, appeal to so many people. And, and maybe it's because... You know, I kind of feel like in the Star Trek movies, we don't see the optimism. I mean, everybody's optimistic and in a good mood, but it's all about battles and wars. And, you know, it's it's about that two hours having a conflict and resolving it. Now, that's not to say that Discovery doesn't have a conflict, but Discovery is the first two episodes in 15 episodes of TV. They don't have to cram all of that action and all of... The conflict they're going to have into one episode. There's time for personal moments and there's time to show that optimism that, 
you know, this is a better world and we're looking towards making a better world. And I think that uh, the main characters in the show uh, certainly uh, touch on that with themes of hope and being bigger than yourself and not losing your humanity. Uh, it certainly felt to me uh, like, like more like classic Star Trek than anything I've seen out of Paramount in a very long time. Now, if we're going to talk, you know, back to production values, it looked great. I mean, holy cow. Um, Star Trek has never looked better, not even on the silver screen. I, you know, And I'll put that out there. I know the movies have a larger budget, but the, the TV series, at least for these first two episodes, uh, the, the budget was fantastic. Uh, there's been a lot of complaints about the Klingons. The Klingons have had a redesign. Uh, they look very different. And I was actually having a chat with uh, uh, on Anthony's Facebook page, oddly enough. Anthony, I'm going to talk about the, the chat that we had there. Well, it wasn't him. It was uh, somebody that uh, commented on, said that they were upset about the redesign. And, you know, it got me thinking about it. You know, if you think about the Klingons, um, the ones we're most familiar with are the Star Trek The Next Generation ones, the ones like um, our good friend J.G. Herschler played General Martok, the one with the very pronounced forehead ridges. And it was... Uh, basically uh, determined or revealed in an episode of uh, Deep Space Nine called Trials and Tribulations that the reason the uh, Klingons from the original series, which didn't really have those pronounced ridges uh, all the way up to the Next Generation timeline, have them is some genetic mishap or something that changed Klingons, or we assume all Klingons. Now, this person, you know, and other people, it wasn't just this person, was, you know, basically saying, well, I don't know why they, they went with such a redesign. It looks stupid. And they're right. You know, 10 years from now, because this show set about 10 years before the original series, uh, Klingons are supposed to go back to not having forehead ridges. Well, I, I think that possibly they were in a corner because you can't do big forehead ridges like Worf because we know for a fact that hasn't happened yet. And if you do, you'll piss off fandom. You can't follow the original series a track of taking white guys and putting brown face paint on them because while you might be able to get away with that in 1965 you cannot in 2017 that's just not something you do you also can't just cast uh, african-american actors in the roles because then the klingons become the black people of the uh, star trek universe and oh well they're warlike and there are that, that's just that's not going to work there, there's no politically correct way to do it there's no canonically uh, correct way to do it uh, you're either gonna you know be racist, piss off the fans. I mean, there was no solution to this. So they went and decided to redesign it. And it looks to me like maybe they just decided to make it a badass-looking character. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think that uh, if I, a majority of the comments I've seen on the internet definitely call that out. And uh, I, I wish that more people realized that they were between a rock and a hard place because you can't really follow any of the established looks for the Klingons in this show because of where it's set. It just isn't going to work. Uh, but that was a minor quibble. I mean, it's not my favorite design, but it also doesn't suck. It's just a little weird. Uh, we certainly get to see more Klingons. We, there are black Klingons, brown Klingons, even an albino Klingon. Uh, certainly a plethora or smorgasbord of Klingons, if you will. Uh, I found that quite interesting uh, to find that there are that far, there's far more diversity in the, uh, the Klingon genome than, uh, than we thought. And uh, beyond that, I guess, you know, you, without I, it's hard to do it without giving stuff away, but um, the show was really good. I, I have no complaints about it. In fact, the, the main character being uh, Sonequa uh, Martin-Green's uh, Michael, um, interesting choice of name, considering uh, Michael is a girl, uh, or so it's assumed, uh, uh, ends, this is, first of all, it's, it's our point of view character. It's not the captain of the ship. In fact, by the end of episode two, um, not even on a ship at all, and I'll just have to leave you guys to actually watch it and figure it out. But trust me, this main character ends up in a place by the end of the second episode that 
it, you've never seen, or at least I've never seen a main Star Trek uh, focus character end up before. I, it's going to be an interesting journey and ride, to say the least. Now, the producers have said that they feel like those first two episodes are really just a prologue because we don't even see the ship discovery at the end of episode two. Doesn't happen. That That's what's going to happen in episode three. But they felt that you re we really needed to see these characters' motivations and we needed to see how they got to where they were going to start in order for it to make sense. And considering it, it just seemed like you know a really good, big, two-hour Star Trek movie, I've got no complaints. I am along for the ride. Uh, you might just think that I'm saying that because I'm soft on Star Trek. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, uh, I have always and will always been uh, a big Star Trek fan. But I, I think that I can separate, you know, fanboyism from when something's really good. And I think the critics kind of mirror what I'm I'm saying. They, they're saying that it's a good start. They're not sure about it. But it certainly looks good. It, it certainly, it, it's a lot more serious than, than old Star Trek, but I think a lot of people were concerned it was going to go the DC route and become grimdark, and that didn't happen. It's definitely dark, it's more realistic, and it's gritty, but it still has the fun, optimistic heart of Star Trek, and that is the balance I was concerned they wouldn't be able to achieve. At least in these first two episodes, I'm blown away by the fact that we can get a dark, gritty Star Trek that doesn't lose the soul of Star Trek, and I implore you guys check it out um, if you're even a little bit interested. Even if you're not a Star Trek fan, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Uh, apparently it is uh, racked up uh, pretty good ratings. Um, 9 to 10, no, it's 10 million people uh, live on CBS, and the all-access um, CBS uh, app has seen a record number of subscriptions eclipsing even the Emmys, which was their last big and their biggest so far rush for people signing up. So if you get a chance, check it out. I don't think you're going to be disappoint disappointed. Uh, which is going to bring us to the other interesting thing about the fact that now there's, you know, actual Star Trek on TV right now. But it's felt like there's been Star Trek on for the past three weeks. And that is because Seth MacFarlane's Orville has debuted on Fox. And what an interesting dichotomy of a show. Something that looks like it's going to be a parody, but actually ends up being more like the source than, you know, the recent giant big blockbuster movies. Now... Let me kind of set the stage for you, again, without giving away too much. Uh, you see a lot of comedic elements in the, the commercials and trailers, but this is an hour-long show. It's not a half-hour comedy, uh, which means when the, like, when the premiere was coming out, they showed all those little funny bits. I mean, that was all the funny bits from that premiere. The rest was, I don't want to say dramatically serious, but it was dramatic. You know, it was a story being told, um, not all for laughs. What's interesting is they found a good balance. I did not think you could put dick and fart humor into uh, a Star Trek show and have it work. But oddly enough, it's not really pulling me out. It's a little weird at first, but it's almost like that's what I'd be like if I was on a starship in the 22nd century, or that's what Paul would be like. You know, it almost strikes me as a little more real than the old Star Trek shows because, I mean, everybody can't be that damn perfect, right? I, the bigger thing here, though, is if you watch the Orville's first three episodes, it's, the critics were saying, you know, bashing episode three uh, a ton because they had seen the first three episodes, you know, right off the bat. Uh, now that fans have seen it, there are actually a lot of people who are saying the critics are wrong because you know, it's not that, that Seth MacFarlane doesn't get it, it's the critics that don't get it. And the reason is the third episode comes out swinging for the fences. It wasn't just, you know, let's, you know, they have a running gag with drinking beer at... Um, really in uh, inappropriate times, uh, you know, or, you know, jokes about sex and things like that. You think it's going to kind of run and it's all going to be light and fluffy. And then they go head on and tackle, you know, the morality and, and ethicality of 
you know, sexuality of can somebody, is it right to change somebody's uh, gender or change something about them based on cultural expectations of their race? Uh, while it's it still has a lot of jokes and they, there's still some humor in there, they actually tackled a pretty serious subject. Now, did they do the absolute best job of tackling uh, things like transgender rights? Absolutely not. You know why? It's a comedy sci-fi show on Sunday nights at Fox created by the creator of Family Guy. If, if you want to have an actual in-depth exploration, you should be looking at scientists or, or leaders. Well, maybe not that. Uh, but there are other places that you want to look for that kind of thing. Th this wasn't envisioned, or at least the public did not think it would be tackling things like this. But they're doing it. You know why? Because Gene Roddenberry did it. Because the original and all of the Star Trek spinoffs tackled difficult subjects. They tackled them in a very vanilla way. It was never, you know, too serious. It wasn't going to change the world. Uh, but they weren't afraid to do that. And Seth MacFarlane is showing that this show isn't just going to be dick and fart jokes and inappropriate drinking. They're also going to tackle real human problems that reflect our society, just like all of the original Star Treks did. And I have to say, considering it came from the creator of Family Guy, it didn't have to go this way. Uh, they're, they're making a better show than I thought they would or could or would aspire to, and I'm very impressed. Now, I'm also impressed by the fact that they have not been sued by Paramount yet, because if you've watched the, the old Star Trek series, and when I say old, I don't mean the 1960s, I mean everything from next gen forward, and then you watch the Orville, you're immediately going to feel like you're putting on a nice, warm, comfortable sweater, because it's as if they went to the... Star Trek Voyager School of Incidental Music Writing and copied everything because it sounds like Star Trek. Uh, right down to the title sequence sounds. I mean, now the title sequence is going to be in my head right next to the Deep Space Nine uh, theme song is, you know, one of my favorites because it sounds like if I didn't know this was the Orville, I'd say it's a Star Trek theme song for a new show. Even the music going out to commercial and back from commercial the incidental stuff, sounds like stuff you would have heard on those 90s Star Trek series. I mean, it, it re if I would be impressed if the actual people aren't writing it because it's it sounds like something they should get sued over. I really don't know how they're they're not, except for the fact that they're also being incredibly respectful to the, uh, the source. But yeah, right down to the music, I didn't even realize I noticed that I knew how that music went when they went to commercial. It's not the same tune every time. It's the way they write it, the way the crescendo goes. You know, if it's a uh, an, an action um, scene that they're breaking away or a cliffhanger or whatever it is, there, there's a certain way that Star Trek music was handled all throughout those series. And yet they've nailed it. It's so bizarre. I almost feel like it needs to be like a mirror universe version of Star Trek and considered canon because it, it's really that close. But if you've thought about watching it and you haven't caught the Orville yet, please don't let the critics uh, dissuade you. Um, give it a try. I mean, it's on Fox On Demand. Watch the first three episodes. See what you think. Uh, I think we're going to be in for an interesting ride. Now, the premiere did uh, was one of the biggest premieres uh, Fox has had in years. However, uh, after the first two weeks where they had the, the football lead-in, it did drop. However, people are saying, oh, well, the ratings came down to earth. Well, here's the thing. It follows Gotham now. It improved on Gotham's rating, and Gotham is one of you know, their, their big shows, so it's actually keeping the audience. We're also right now not seeing the live plus three for the third episode. Uh, that's going to go up. So if I had to guess, I would say that the Orville is probably in a safe place right now because the ratings are, are decent. If not healthy, they may even be healthy. 
you also have to remember that, you know, Fox pretty much, you know, will let Seth MacFarlane do whatever he wants as long as they're not losing money and he wants to do the show. I think they're, it's going to be fine. So I think this is going to be around for a while. Please, I implore you, especially if you don't like Star Trek, check this out because it's different enough that you might just enjoy the dick and fart jokes. Uh, but you also might find uh, that this is one of the most unique shows on television right now, a, a mashup of genres I don't feel we've seen since Spaceballs. Uh, and that certainly is fairly significant praise, in my opinion. Now, I am going to step off my soapbox. I've said all I have to say about Star Trek, I think. But, you know, there are still a few things that we do need to talk about, and that would be the news for your ears. And that brings us to this week's news, and there is a ton of stuff going on this week. Uh, first of all, I'm going to uh, give away a spoiler for Marvel's Legacy 1 that has pretty much been publicized just about everywhere. Uh, if you haven't actually read the book, it's certainly worth picking up. There's a lot of changes coming to the Marvel Universe in the upcoming year. Uh, but one of the big ones is the return of Wolverine. Now, I'm not talking about X-23 Laura Kinney, uh, the female Wolverine. I'm not talking about Old Man Logan from the alternate universe Wolverine. I'm talking about original Wolverine. He shows up, uh, not really an explanation for it, but it certainly seems like uh, uh, some people uh, in the X family are aware of it when it happens. I'm sure we're going to find out about it. Uh, it does bring me to think, though, uh, as I said uh, a while back when we were hearing rumors about Wolverine returning, I mean, years ago, because I don't think you can be mad about this. He's been gone for a long time. You know, usually they kill somebody and they're back in three or four months. Wolverine's been dead for years. So I'm okay with the, the length of time that they did it. Uh, what I'm concerned about is what happens to the other Wolverine characters. Now, I think X-23 is going to be fine. However, it occurs to me that now having a middle-aged Wolverine and old Wolverine might be a little bit too much Wolverine, if you believe that's a possibility. Now, if you're reading Old Man Logan, currently he is embroiled in a battle with the Hulk clan, or Hulk family, whatever you want to call it, from his universe. They found a way to cross over. And the timing of this, oh man, it's so suspect, because it causes me to believe that maybe by the end of this arc, Old Man Logan is going to bite the dust. The reason I think that, and this is not based on any insider knowledge or extensive study, it's simply the fact that Old Man Logan has spent his entire run trying to forget about what happened in that other universe so that he can start a new life free of that baggage. He finally gets to that point, and the Hulk family shows up and pulls him right back in. So it would almost be, you know, poetic for him to die, um, ending that, that same threat uh, to his universe that has now entered ours. I just think that that uh, it kind of means that, you know, we're, we're losing some possibilities here. You know, I'm imagining all three, you know, the three Logans, like a sitcom, living in an apartment together. All three of them are the grumpy one, uh, but Laura's the one that's always right. I think there's a lot of comedy potential there, and teaming them up with, with uh, like, Deadpool? Holy crap, that would put send Deadpool for a loop. He wouldn't know what to do. Uh, but I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm a little concerned we're going to lose one of those, and I think them the idea of bringing old man Logan in from, you know, an Elseworlds one-shot type thing uh, was awesome, and I'd kind of like to see him stick around. There was something else I noticed about the comic as well. Uh, if you look at the, uh, they weren't really previews, they were just the covers for upcoming books that tie into Legacy, and one of them talked about, uh, it was a cover for Deadpool, and I forget what it actually said, um, of not on the lamb or wanted it was something to the effect that uh you know he was he was a, a wanted criminal now we all recall that 
they Marvel said that Deadpool was going to go back to his mercenary ways, and I was concerned that he was actually going to become you know a bad guy again, you know, kind of like he was when he first showed up. And I thought it'd be awfully sad now that he's worked so hard to get that Marvel heroes to kind of fe- look at him like a hero, uh, to just throw that away voluntarily. Well, uh, Legacy shows us that. Uh, he is being pursued by the FBI for his murder of Phil Coulson. Now, he was doing that at the behest of Captain America, the Hydra Cap at the time. Uh, it does not look like they are taking into account that, you know, some folks didn't know that he was an altered Captain America. Some of them just thought he was the hero and he was finally standing up to do something about the world uh, and didn't realize that he was actually the bad guy. Uh, so it looks like they're holding uh, Wade Wilson responsible for that murder. I'm not saying he should get off scot-free. Uh, But it looks like uh, that he's kind of forced into a situation where he can no longer be a hero. So that could actually lead to some interesting stuff. He was even doing some soul-searching in this episode, um, which is not something you generally see Deadpool do a lot of. So I'm looking forward to what the Marvel Universe has in store for us coming up. Also this week, according to Variety, it has been reported that Disney would not let ABC cancel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after Season 4. Apparently ABC wanted to, you know, the ratings were kind of eh, they were stagnant, Uh, they wanted to get rid of it, and Disney was like, nope, you're not going to do that because we own you. Uh, It's certainly interesting, uh, considering the uh, the fourth season was the strongest season they've had. Uh, I'm wondering how long Disney will let uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stay on TV if, you know, if... Disney wants it, ABC doesn't. It might lead to some interesting standoffs. I think at the end of the day, though, you have to do what the mouse wants. It's the mouse's house, and he rules. Uh, Next up today, actually today, Wednesday the 27th, Amazon released too many fucking devices, and I don't even care. If you'd like to know, Google search it. I, or ask Alexa. I'm sure she'd be happy to tell you all about them. Seriously, there's like seven or eight different Amazon Echo things. It's ridiculous. Uh, Next up, Skyrim is getting a survival mode. Bethesda is going back in and they are going to be adding a hardcore mode that takes things like fatigue, cold, and hunger into effect. So if you're in an area that's really cold, you're going to have to watch how cold you get. You're going to have to eat occasionally. Uh, They didn't comment on whether or not you were going to have to piss every once in a while. Uh, but, you know, it's it's kind of expected, you know, because as uh, Beth- Bethesda generally does, and I hate to say this because I love them, but um, this survival mode exists in 200 different mods created by the community, and now Bethesda is going to release basically the same thing that the community already created for them. Um, you know, I, I hate to down it. I love Skyrim. I love Bethesda. But, guys, it's time to work on new shit. Really, please, get on with it. Uh, Next up, everything seems to be pointing to the new X-Men movie, X-Men Dark Phoenix, being a two-parter. I did not see that coming. Uh, Olivia Munn made some comments yesterday uh, about this being a two-part movie, and now the industry is all abuzz with, uh, is that really the case? Uh, You know, I... It seems like everything is getting split into two parts or three parts these days just to make more money. I mean, if they've got enough story to go with it, I, you know, run with it, I guess. Uh, I mean, the, the X-Men movies have been hit or miss, but generally enjoyable. So if they want to take some extra time to tell that story, I guess it's good that they're planning it now rather than after seeing how much money that the first part made. Like, it. Wink, wink. Speaking of it, you may not be aware of this, but apparently Burger King in Russia is suing to have it banned. Yes, it the movie, it, based on the Stephen King novel with the uh, 
uh, antagonist Pennywise the Clown. They are suing to have the movie banned because they say Pennywise looks too much like Ronald McDonald and it's equating to free advertising for one of their competitors. I, I'm not kidding. This is a real story. I, I couldn't make this stuff up. Um, I don't know about you guys, but personally, neither Ronald McDonald or Pennywise make me want a hamburger. They're both, both creepy-looking clowns. Uh, that does not make me hungry. It doesn't make me go, ooh, French fries. Uh, that just doesn't work. So I, I don't really feel that this this particular lawsuit holds any uh, Coca-Cola, as it were. Uh, however, I will say that Burger King is the one of uh, those two restaurants that really has the cool mascot, because the Burger King, come on, he's cool. I played Sneak King on the Xbox. You guys remember that? The game where you could actually take control of the Burger King and go around like stealing hamburgers or giving people hamburgers. I forget what it was. But you had to not get caught. That was seriously fun, and it was like free. They gave it out at Burger King. I thought that was an awesome promotion. But hey, that's just my opinion. Your mileage may vary. And that means it is time for the letter segment. We got just a couple letters this week. Uh, first of all, uh, Al Sedano wrote in, and he says, "Hey Hugh, here's my new question. What are you looking uh, forward to? What are you, yeah, what are you more looking forward to? The Justice League movie or Young Justice season two? Well, Al, this might disappoint you. Um, I would have to say uh, the Justice League movie because I have never watched Young Justice. Um, not on purpose. You know, it just kind of skipped by me. I missed it. Uh, the first two seasons. I hear it's fantastic, and I actually, I think I sat down and tried to get my, uh, my well, she's six years, years old now, but when she was five, tried to get Avery to watch it, because I wanted to catch up on the first two seasons before the third season came out, and uh, I think we got through, like, the first two episodes, and I thought it was uh, really good, but she just got off my lap and went on the floor and started taking all the clothes off her Barbie, so... Uh, she didn't have any interest, and of course, she kind of controls the TV uh, in the living room most of the time. So I just haven't had a chance to get back to it. Uh, I hear it's a fantastic show, and uh, I, I feel that I am lacking uh, because I haven't had a chance to watch it. Uh, thank you very much, Al. I appreciate that question. Uh, we're going to move on to the other letter this week, and if any other letters come in later today, I will save them for next week. I am recording this a little bit early, uh, just so I have time to put together my awesome Metal Arts uh, Adat Walker. Um, there was an Adat, yeah, it was an Adat Walker uh, model that I got at the uh, convention this past weekend, uh, sold to me uh, by Heather Seaman Daly of Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey Doctor Who Shop. And uh, I've got to tell you, I'm having such a blast with this little metal air thing. I'm going to buy, like, all of them and put them together. I didn't think my big, thick sausage fingers could actually do stuff that small. Anyway, on to the uh, the next question. Uh, Nick says, hope everyone enjoyed the con. It was awesome to see everyone from a geek pod. It was awesome to have a table right next to you guys. Yeah, I, I can imagine that was pretty cool, Nick, having your own table for the first time. Uh, you know, the first time we had a table at something, oh, it was really the first time. We never went to anything and didn't have a table, but it was still pretty cool to have a table because I've been on the other side of the table at conventions, so it was pretty sweet. Uh, he says, are you going to watch the new Marvel Gifted? Yes, I am. Uh, I was just reading reviews of it today, and they say that it, it does a, a pretty good job. It's a fun show set in the X-Men universe that doesn't ha actually have any of the um, famous X-Men in it. Uh, but for what it is, it's a lot of fun, and apparently Stephen Moyer uh, kind of steals the show. They did say that the uh, superpowers aren't super impressive. One of them was described as the ability to wrap super strong bubble wrap around things. And I, I, I don't know. I didn't really read the review too deeply because I don't want to spoil myself. Uh, but overall, they're saying that it's good, so I am definitely going to check it out. 
Uh, I mean, they, there's a good track record with X-Men TV shows right now. Uh, we've got Legion, which is fantastic, and uh, going to have to wait and see what they do with Gifted. Next question, does a spoonful of sugar really help the medicine go down? Uh, well, it's better than a, a spoonful of salt, better than a, a spoonful of a second spoonful of medicine, which just adds to the problem. Also, uh, sugar probably not as good as a spoonful of garlic. I think that w that would pretty much hit the spot for me because I love garlic. But I'm going to say if you have to take some medicine and it doesn't taste good, you could do worse than a spoonful of sugar. And Nick's last question, and finally, what's your favorite Marvel movie? Uh, probably Civil War. Um, I, that's, that's my favorite so far. Uh, just because it was so many things coming together, it, it felt so much bigger than itself. I mean, Winter Soldier was fantastic too, but I think Civil War really uh, took the cake for me. It was what uh, what Marvel could be as far as a big event movie on the screen, not just, you know, they're, they're big event, summer event movies, but I'm talking about taking an event from uh, the comics, you know, like um, Civil War, which was a, a long arc. Uh, with a lot of bad things in it that comic readers didn't like. They kind of distilled that into a movie that made sense and really worked. So I was blown away by that. Uh, it opened up so many possibilities. And so, yeah, I'm going to say as of right now, uh, I think Civil War is my personal favorite. Um, thank you very much, Nick, for writing in. And uh, I look forward to you guys' letters next week. Now, that's going to wrap things up for me today. Make sure you tune in next week when I will bring you the true sordid story behind Scrooge McDuck and Mrs. Beasley. Till then, tuck and roll, kids. GeekPod Blue is a GeekPod Network production. Executive producers Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Concept created by Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Intro is Opportunity by Jameis Breed. Closing is Bucket by Jameis Breed. Both licensed for use by Dennis Johnston. Want to help the show? Leave a five-star rating on iTunes. Geekpod can be reached at contribute at geekpod.com or send us a tweet at geekpod. That's G33KPOD. You can also find Geekpod on Facebook and Instagram. G33KPOD. That's G33KPOD.